We have two discussants today. Let me first call on Sudhanshu Ashu Honda, who is a Lawrence Gilbert Distinguished Professor at the Department of Public Policy at the University of North Carolina. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Um, for those who may not know, I worked at IFPRI many, many, many years ago. Um, so it's always nice to come back and see if there are any familiar faces. And in fact, uh, I met Rob, I think, 25 years ago in a big project in Latin America. So it's kind of fun to, to see the familiar faces again. I'm going to pick up a little bit on what Natalia uh, was talking about, about this coherence and this sort of inherent conflict in some sense between uh, economic productivity on the one hand as a kind of driver of policy and social protection, broad-based social protection. I'm going to focus in particular on one um, <clears throat> buzzword that you hear. And so very, I'm giving you very much the view from the ground, right? Um, and the buzzword is graduation. And graduation is touched upon a little bit in the report. Uh, we saw that graph with the red dots. Those are the graduation programs. And this idea is creating a tension on the ground between sort of broad-based social protection initiatives um, and the more kind of short-term, you know, I'll say narrowly focused idea of um, economic growth, right? And, and you can imagine that, you know, a, a, a kind of a policymaker or a politician, when faced with this, you know, choice, right, uh, I, I, have, I have this program that can fast-track the entire economic development process, which we've been working on for decades, in just two years and graduate people versus a broad-based, sort of more longer-term um, sy systems approach to social protection. You can, you can understand the conflict and you can understand the choice that that politician is going to make. Um, and this is the view from the ground. And this is um, really you know, not only is it creating tension, but it um, could potentially be stalling efforts to um, sort of create these social protection systems. Um, so a couple of examples. So a few countries, Zambia, Malawi, Ghana, are, are particularly good examples where cash transfer programs in the last five years have really skyrocketed. So for example, in Zambia, it reaches over 12% of the population, Malawi, Ghana approaching 10%. They've had massive uh, scale-ups. And the, the type of, of beneficiary that's reached are typically what we call labor-constrained or high-dependency households. These households are folks who do not have a lot of able-bodied workers. And you can, uh, you can see, therefore, that the concept of graduation among these households is, is nebulous, is dubious, right? They, they simply are not the type of households who are going to be the most appropriate clients for graduation-type programs. And yet our social uh, protection ministries are being forced to really think about and respond to the idea of graduation. Is that clock counting down or up? <laughs> it's down. Okay, good. I was wondering. Okay. <laughs> 30 seconds to go. Um, so, you know, how, how is that translating on the ground, right? What, 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 so one thing that's happening, for example, is uh, recertification. Okay, and so originally recertification was this idea, okay, you enroll beneficiaries and you have three or four years, but no one really in those social protection ministries y y took that seriously in the sense that they knew that given the type of beneficiary, uh, there was really no way that they were somehow going to no longer be eligible, right? 
Um, but now you see sort of recertification suddenly taking a little bit more aggressive forms, where actual recertification, for example, in Malawi, recertification actually happened for the first time a couple of years ago. Um, you know, as if these labor-constrained households, typically grannies taking care of orphans, could somehow miraculously, you know, graduate. But again, it's because it, these ministries are being forced to respond to this idea of graduation. Um, and so, I, I guess, you know, for us, when we think about graduation, we've done the research and we know the literature, we understand the nuances, we understand the, the appropriate target group, we understand that actually given the churning around the poverty line, that this idea that these type of houses are permanently going to somehow escape to the middle class is not really, you know, a thing. We know that. But again, think about on the ground when someone comes to you and talks about graduation and you're a policymaker in the Ministry of Finance, you love that idea, right? Um, and you hang on to that idea. And so, again, the worry is that the nuance around graduation is potentially uh, detrimental or at least stalling the movement towards social protection systems. And I think we have to be careful about that. And so again, this is very much a view from the ground, all right? Um, and so th that, that is sort of a big issue that I think, uh, and, and, and you know, what Natalia said about this uh, coherence, right, and, and understanding how components of this graduation approach, which, you know, is a set of interventions and so on, how those can somehow be mainstreamed and available to everyone without this idea that within two years suddenly people can somehow miraculously move into the middle class. I think that's what we have to be thinking about in our messaging, right, and when we talk about it. And we have to be very careful about that, that, that word graduation because um, it, it is doing a little bit of, of disservice to the, the broader movement. Um, let me try and be a little bit more positive, right, since I was invited all the way over here. Um, not to put a damper on this whole proceedings, but so there are two things, I think, to think about here. One is the, the so-called demographic dividend, and this was, I found, not quite mentioned in the report, and yet it is, on the ground again, it is a very important issue, right? The youth bulge, the demographic transition, and the fact that the working age share in, Afri in Sub-Saharan Africa is going to hit 60, 50, above 50, 60, 70 percent in the next decade. This, I think, is a major entry point. Um, for us, right, in this room, which is that we can think about graduation, we think about these livelihood programs targeted towards these youth who are going to be looking for jobs, right? There's a big pressure cooker there. And so I think that is where we could be thinking about how best to articulate this kind of um, economic, like inclusive growth and economic productivity and rural development with social protection, which is targeting the youth in these households who are looking for jobs, basically. I think I'm good, 14 seconds. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>